This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is a recording of the very first besotted Pride of West London social, which was held at the Globe Pub in Brentford. This social featured three Brentford legends, Terry Evans, Marcus Gale and Iger Anderson. We're going to split this interview into two parts. The first part will have Terry Evans and Marcus Gale talking about their experiences. The second part will have Iger Anderson talking about his, but they'll all be interjecting in all of this as well. Here's Terry Evans and Marcus Gale chatting about Brentford. So listen, yeah, so, um, as, and we, and we were trying to, I was sort of trying to naturally flow into it, you know, obviously, like I said, for the promotion team of uh, 1992, Iger was part of the promotion team of 19. 19- uh, 1998-99 as well. At the end of the day, as Brentford fans, as you know, if you if you're successful, you don't really care and you, you love the players. But like I said, doing a bit of research, you know, Ija, you know, he didn't start in 98 or 99. He actually started Brentford in 1995, and it was the year after we had just lost in that playoff year. Which I'm not sure if you were still there, Terry. I think you might have left at the time. I think I'm not sure even Marcus was there. The year where you we. Were, sh- you were Yes, I was sleeping, yes. You know, the, but the year that we should have finished, we finished second, Huddersfield, yeah. Huddersfield and, we, and, we, and only one team went up. That was it. So you've, you joined Brentford after that year, I remember after that. And, uh, you know, how, how was it? I mean, you came into the side, which is obviously very, very, very despondent because we technically should have gone up that year and uh, we, 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 we fluffed it, didn't we? In, in that year, the, uh, the rules changed. Uh, usually, you have two, then it was one. So, um, but yeah, missing out on that playoff, obviously, me as one of the new recruits, it, it was a bit low after that. And obviously, me coming in was a bit, felt a bit under pressure there. I mean, you came to the side, you had Barry Ashby, you had Carla Saba, you had Big Bob Taylor, Hutchie was in there, Carl Hutchins, Martin Granger. You know, there was like a formative team that was there. And you came in there as like a young. 19 year old like you know what I'm saying um, I mean, yeah I mean I mean I'm just saying how, how did it feel because you were at South End and it was just like whatever and all of a sudden you was at Brentford Bill I'll tell you when I signed I was buzzing um, obviously uh, knowing Cole from my early days when I was at Chelsea um, I remember always getting a train to Osterley train station and getting off walking across excited getting there about two hours early no one at the training ground and training on the old bus garage. And um, I was there two hours early, no one's there, and I'm thinking, am I, am I at the right place? <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously I'll see the bus coming in, the little mini bus with youth players coming out. That would be, um, you know, uh, Marcus Spent. Um, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> 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 um, Kevin Rapley would be in the youth team as well. And, um, you know, and Bob Wookabini uh, taking them out and... I'm thinking, am I still at the right place? Because it's only the youth players there. So there's no first team coming there. I see Carl coming in, BM in his dreads. And then, um, but I was, you know, so excited to, to sign. And, uh, you know, just, I, I don't even feel, I looked at the contract. I feel I just signed it. Could have been a false one that Webby, <laughs> Webby gave me. It could have been a false one yeah. that Webby done, you know. So <laughs> I, was, I didn't care much what you was. Right. So, so, so Brentford was a big step up from Southend for you at that time? Massive. Um, obviously, from Tottenham youth team and then 
playing in the reserves, going to South Finn, being an understudy to um, Chrissy Powell, playing in the first team, but obviously it would have been like, mostly friendlies and pre-season games. Um, and being in the first team squad, but not actually making that first team appearance for South Finn. Coming to Brentford, get, they gave me the chance, even though it was out of position at left wing. But I was just willing to play anywhere and run 100 miles and further to uh, get the chance to prove myself and hopefully cement uh, a position in the side at some stage. Iger Anderson was... Well, he, d he doesn't actually claim the song. Danny Boxall claims the song. Danny Boxall is the best fullback in history, apparently, according to the song. But Iger Anderson was clearly a better fullback <laughs> than Danny Boxall. That's fact. Is that fact? Because, like, we used to sing, Boxall, Danny Boxall, he's the best fullback in history. From some town in Ireland, he took Brentford at Division 3. But, but you were technically a better fullback, surely. I didn't even know that were the words. I, think I used to just bobble along to it. You I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put the, you put the words down, man. I know, I know. Just <laughs> I was a bit, uh, you know. Sometimes we'd have a laugh about that, me and Danny. But um, I, I rate Danny. I rate Danny as a fullback. I mean, uh, but I never looked at myself as. I just looked at myself as just trying to do well for the team and do well for you guys because you guys gave me the chance. I remember sitting when I first came through signing up Brentford. I told you, Bill, sitting in the office with uh, Winnie, R.I.P. to Winnie, and uh, God bless her. Uh, she was one of the main foundations of Brentford in the backroom staff and Peter Gillam took me in the office just talking to me about the history and, and for me the main core of it was even though I was excited about signing it was literally playing in a club that is so family orientated and together that's what really appealed to me and uh, again like you said being one of the best fullback I don't know even to this day, it doesn't appeal to me it's just Doing well for the team. Got to say, you know, we're we're in an era now where football players they play for 30, 40 games, and all of a sudden they're worth five, well, three, four, five million quid. It, it things have things have certainly got out of hand. Not maybe not in terms of Brentford because our model is getting players in young, nurturing them, then selling them on. But what would you be worth? Now, <laughs> bag of balls, isn't it? <laughs> a few two, bibs. <laughs> two hundred and twenty-five quid. Oh two, no! Two, 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 five, six, uh, eight mil. You just don't know what. <laughs> and do I hear? Do I hear six million? Seven million? Sold to Ollie. Five. <laughs> no, nah, um, I don't know. I mean, the game. Like I said, I think the game's gone crazy, mate. I mean, I mean, me, uh, Marcus, and um, your smiling Carl was at the game at Barnsley and just talking about like young players getting X amount of money just you know for wearing boots. Let alone a contract, they don't wearing boots. They're getting paid like you're looking at good figures, you know. And you think to yourself, well, in our day, I mean, we we pay like thirty odd league games or whatever, and sometimes play with a fracture in your foot. Some of them just sit on the sidelines with a twisted sock. You know, so it's the game's gone. I mean, for me, again, Terry touched upon it. You find it hard to watch the game. I go down to Brentford, I watch it fair enough, but I can't take the feigning injuries and people that don't want to play, you know, and go for the brick wall for the team and that, you know. So, 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 so Brentford get a, quite a lot of stick for being selling clubs and, you know, and how we nurture players and then we have to sell them. You know, we've got Andre Gray, we've got Odebagio, we've got, we've got, you know, Tarkowski. We've got, it's, it's, it's a long list of players and, and probably players that are going to carry on. Alf, Al, yeah, Alfie Mawson is, is another one. So, you know, scored an own goal and, and won me 20 quid last night. Cheers, mate. Um, so, yeah, Alf, Alfie Mawson is another one where, play, you know, are we always going to be a selling club? Do you, do you see Brentford always being a selling club? Um, I think, well, considering uh, where they are at the moment, I think you're going to have players that are coming aside. I mean, it's evident that you've got players that have come from the Premier League. Um, if they do shine, um, obviously Brentford are going to want to capitalise and get their money back or more. And it's only right that they do do that. Um, I think when 
players, young players come down from a bigger division, they are going to be looking at getting back. However ambitious or determined they are, um, depends um, on them. But Brentford, not only are they a selling club, I think they're developing club mostly as well. They bring players through and they give them a chance. And the player does like Marcus has done, you know, comes there, he does well, he goes on. I think most clubs like Brentford will be a supplement for big clubs until they're in that elite league and stand on their own. That's what I believe. It's, uh, what I find honestly humbling and, and brilliant is the fact that there's, I mean, I, I haven't seen, I'm, 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 I don't want I'm not knocking Tell because, I, you know, he may have done this, but Idra Anderson stood next to me at Bristol City away last season and he was there shoulder to shoulder singing for Brentford with me. And, and we, we videoed him for the Besotted video. Um, Marcus Gale is a season ticket holder for a second season, which, which seems pretty strange, I have to say. <laughs> that a player... Well, no, no, I, I do, no, 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 I'm not, it's, it's your... Mate, mate, it's the opposite of that. I think, it, I think it's stunning that you were a player from the youth team through to playing 200 games for us, and now you're paying cash money for, for your season ticket. We need Terry Evans now to commit live, live, <laughs> to, to, um, to um, buying Liberal Nick season ticket off of him. <laughs> and away, no, and away, oh, oh my God, Ollie, that is the best shout I've heard all night. Terry Evans on an away game with Beside. My God, we're safe forever. We are safe forever. That, 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 no, I'd I, I die happy. I really would die happy if Terry Evans come to Preston with us. Because, um, because, because Preston, PNE away, is arguably the best away game you'll ever go to. No, all of them, PNE, that they are an amazing bunch. So if we can get Terry Evans to sign up to Virgin, Virgin, um, Virgin Trains at 8.30 on a Saturday morning, then I will die happy. Uh, or, or kill happy. If, uh, if, we, if we don't make the playoffs, our season ends on the 15th of April. So anything after 15th of April... I'll, I'll do an away one. Oh, that sounds like Fulham, Fulham away. That's Fulham away. Fulham away. All right, Fulham away is the 20... It's just before the bank holiday weekend, the end of April, last weekend in April. 28th or something like that. Yeah, we'll probably do a boat, especially for you. Just coming back to Ija, because Ija. So, basically... Yeah, we had, we had like I said, we had, a, we had a bit of a cup run that year. That ninety for your first year, we had a, you remember that as well. We had a bit of a cup run, and remember even Marcus Bent turned up, a seventy-year-old, seventeen-year-old youth player as well. And was like, who the hell is this guy? That first year that you came in, league form was average, but we had a bit of a cup run, and then we ended up playing was it Charlton that year as well, and they got frozen off. We had a boat actually. I did a boat down the river. But anyway, so but Elijah, that that season, I mean the, the cup run. I mean, how, that's, that was kind of your first season at Brentford. How was it for you? That was crazy. Um, I remember Marcus, when he came on the scene, he was just like, like, just out of nowhere, really. It was like, yeah. Um, I mean, there was a few times he trained with the first team, and I mean, I always watched him, and obviously he's close to the family because he's uh, his mum's. Best mates with my auntie, so we've always been in, you know, tight form when we was young. So, but Marcus seemed to have been excelling in the youth team under Bob Booker, and um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and um, I remember Book, uh, Bob Booker saying he'd uh, be coming through. I think it was him. There was him, Ryan Dennis at the time as well, um, and there was a centre half called Terry uh, as well. A young guy, but uh, I think you end up moving. Move, I think you went to Hayes, Terry. Just about, and Yedding, Terry. Yedding, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And y that's it. Uh, Nev, Nev, Nev as well. Um, that's what Nev was at Yedding. No, Nev was the Asian centre half. Um, but Marcus seemed to avoid being on the fringes, and where we always always brought him in, and 
Adamant on the edges of the first two, and then I believe that run where we was on and we went to Norwich, he got the winner. Yes. And that was it. Yeah, FA Cup game, and uh, Bosch, he was on a run then. That was it, on his way, and look at, you know, the history for him in the club that he's gone to Mm. speaks for itself, and the goals that he scored. He's always going to be a big talent, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, unfortunate that. He just fell away where he has now. So, Ija, I mean, I'm going to sort of kind of fast track you because there's a couple of years. That year is all right. The following year is a bit rubbish. But what happens again, what happens is that you build the players and the build players come in. But also, the way, we've got to talk about Webby as well, as Laney said, because the thing is that you came in and all of a sudden it's like, you know, sold out and then Webby became the manager. Now, 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 now oh, the owner, he became from the owner as well. Now, this was quite an instrumental part of Brentford because it all kicked off with the fans and everything like that. What we just want to know, what was the vibe behind the scene with the players and with Webby and, you know, I mean, I, I could talk to some players, I'm not going to name them because they're going to come to future socials and they'll tell us what their thoughts are. They're like, nah, man, Webby used that of all the men, like this, that, the other. But other people say, well, Webby, man, he, he, he sorted me out and he put me in the team. But I, it was interesting to know from you, what was the score with Dave Webb? Well, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, it is, isn't it? It's, it's real. Um, he signed me, which was great. But I think as a person and uh, the way he dealt with certain players and the way he dealt with, you know, uh, uh, dealt with the club, I thought it was quite harsh. I think it was quite, you know, old school, too old school. Uh, I think he, sh- he should have had a bit more communication with the fans and a bit more better relationship with the fans as well. Um, I've seen the way certain things he's dealt with the players and also myself, I've experienced certain things with what he said and what he's done and and also trying to better players. I think nowadays it's changed. A lot of managers work with players and they help players and also have a communication with the fans and it's the bonding is much better. But uh, just personally for me, as a person, he, he did okay for myself. I'm not going to downbeat him too much, but on the whole, I think he could have done a lot better for most players and for the club itself, definitely could have done much better. From from a from a fan from a fanzine's perspective, from a, a from a Brentford fans perspective, um, David Webb was a wanker. And, and, uh, and, I, and I have to I have to say this, and and and, that, and, I, and I, I I say this completely detached from 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 anything the, the the players may have felt because you know he was probably managing the players okay, but I remember a time when um, we were campaigning against him because he was clearly trying to sell players for his own pocket and um, Billy and I took uh, well it was, f- it was more than Billy and I but there was a few of us that took um, a lorry to Dave Webb's house in, in, in Essex that was why are you trying to kill our club with uh, on Valen- St Valentine's Day blazing on the side and I got a phone call I was working at the FT at the time and I got a phone call during during the week afterwards, from from someone threatening to kill me, so um, so fr- I, I won't I won't I won't shy away from the fact that you know opinions count for everything in football and nothing is black and white. But you know he someone said he knows Ronnie and Reggie and they're gonna get you. So um, so you know my my my, my, my feelings for my feelings for my feelings for. Now, feelings for Webby aren't my feelings for Webby aren't great, and I'll be honest with you, um, I was privileged and honoured, completely honoured, to be invited to Martin Lange's wake. Um, he was Brentford chairman for a good number of years, and he died last October. This April, he um, was um, there was a, a, a wake at um, in in the city of London, and there was some proper proper Brentford proper Brentford history there. There was, you know, Graham Benstead and Terry was there and there was um, Terry Herlock and there was Cammy was there. Cammy made a good speech, didn't he? That was the... Uh, and Webby was there and it was one of those, one of those nights where you go manners. So whatever, whatever Webby did f- to us, whatever my opinions of him are, I was there for Martin Lange. So it wasn't a matter of whatever I think of it, what Dave Webb... Dave Webb looks fucking old now. Um, but 
he it wasn't a, it, you know it's one of those things where you just kind of like let history be let, let history be but I, I'm still not happy with Dave Webb. <laughs> so I just quickly we're gonna we've got to come to because obviously we talked about the promotion year of 1992 but basically you know Dave Webb he got the club for a year he sold off everybody made a load of money and then sold the club for nearly a million pounds to Ron Nodes. Uh, yeah, so he, uh, you know, listen, it's businessman at the end of the day, but also, like, you know, it wasn't quite right, but he, he sold the club to Ron Nodes the following year. So you swapped from a, a, a Dave Webb ownership to Ron, Ron Nodes ownership. And we're going to have to say we put our hands up and everything like that. You know, we were quite happy with it. We all got the white wigs and we were singing songs about him and everything like that. And he brought in players and he, you know, put his money where his mouth in, as we thought, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, at the time, Herb and Horizon, seven hundred fifty thousand pounds. You know, like he brought in, you know, you know other players as well to play around you. Lord Lloyd Wooster came in. Tony Box always the best fullback in history, other than yourself, of course. <laughs> you know, so that's cool. But all of a sudden, is that you've gone from a team that was on a downer because we just lost in the playoffs to some sort of sort of nonsense because like yeah whatever and in fact we even do, didn't even talk about the fact that we lost in the playoffs in 97 you know at the crew game because I don't even talk about that because we put it at the back of our yeah back of our memory bands but we got relegated straight after that you know we sort of Nicky Forster and you know again we could talk about that so sort of Nicky Forster we had no one up front but then we come back to that but all of a sudden, there was a vibe around the club. And we felt, you know, as fans, you know that. There was a proper vibe around the club, wasn't there? We were in the fourth division, but all of a sudden, we've got all these players, and we were, you know, everyone said, oh, you're the money team. Look at you, you're the money team. You've got all lots of money, haven't you? You've got free managers, and you've got all sorts of stuff going on. And Ray Lewington. Yeah. Yep. No, no, Cobble wasn't there. Relevant, yeah. Sparrow. Brian Sparrow, yeah. He was a bit of a character, Sparrow, wasn't he? Yeah, tell us, just tell us some stories. Come on, let's give us some tales, man. Come on, come on. Uh, Brian, Brian, he, <laughs> he was one. He was a funny one. No, he used no. to get bullied a lot. Well, um, I did a few stories, but I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know any. I don't know any. I don't know any. I, know any, I, know any, I swear, I do not know any. I don't know any. Do you know? All right, uh, Terry Bullivan apparently was still uh, doing the taxi driving while he was coaching us. Yeah, so he's still employed as a taxi driver. So that's that's, that's, that's it's not it's not really and truly. I don't really know. Not of that era, anyway. Um, make go. them up. Make them up. <laughs> make, make the shoes oh. up. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, you, you mentioned in regards to that, like the managers. Uh, we, I think in that time when Webby was. Sold off the club. I went through about eight different managers. So I think we had uh, Mickey Adams, we had Eddie May, um, we had uh, obviously one knows Ray Lewton, Club Walker, Walker uh, Glenn Cockrell. Yeah, I went through about so many different managers. Um, but <laughs> those are, that was a tra- that was a different uh, period. But um, we obviously got the galvanised, uh, you know, momentum in terms of when Ronaldo came in. Um, but I remember when they came in, it was a bit of a dark time for myself because I obviously was out of the side. They brought in Kevin Watson. Um, and I believe they were trying to generate it uh, to get rid of me, which was said at the time. They didn't want me. When was this? Just with, uh, under one notes. And um, I remember Rob uh, Fozoni, who I'm still in contact with, who was like the sports psychologist at the time, always said to me, your chances are going to come to keep yourself fit. Um at that time, it, it's quite testing because being out of the side it, um, with uh, Ray Lewis and that lot, they, it was more professional environment. And they wanted to get in there, don't get me wrong, but what you had is that myself and other players that were there with the old Ray team were kind of like sh- shafted enough it was set. And it was quite old school, which I was quite prepared for because if you weren't in the team, as I think Terry and Marcus would tell you, most coaches wouldn't even speak to you until there's really injuries, they've got no choice but to play you. And I think the turning point came when Ke- was it Ke- Paul Watson, sorry, who was a left back, um, got injured. And uh, I think I came in and um, got man in the match. I played well against Tottenham in the cup. Um, and that was the turning point for me. I think um, me and Paul were neck and neck so running Paul, for the shirt. Paul, Paul Watson, did, did we sign him from Fulham? 
That's right, yeah, he came in. I think Mickey Adams came, brought him in. Mickey Adams, uh, along with... Uh, so he took, he, Mickey Adams took Fulham from the bottom of the, the Football League mm-hmm. and he, he, he brought in Watson. And also Danny Cullop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah centre-half. Worst full-back in history. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's, uh, he was doing something, right? I mean, uh, he, he did... Uh, for me, he was, a good, he was a good player. I thought he was a great player, Paul. He was uh, talented both foot. Um, and at the time... Ray Lewis and Ron uh, Norris liked him, so they kept him in the first team for a while, and I felt I had to wait. And then I've towards the end of the season to get a chance. <laughs> so, I mean, we got, I've just got, we've got to ask the questions. We, we, I'm, I'm completely confused about this, and listen, we won the league that year, and it's great, but listen, Ron Nodes was the manager, right? Now, how does that work? <laughs> no, 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 because no one has actually really explained this now. And Aija... In very simple terms, you must explain how this runs because I have got no idea. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, when I saw it, I think it came on, I think I saw it on the old teletext. <laughs> um, he's a manager, you know, he's a manager, and I was like, Looking at teletext, you know when it changes pictures on teletext, yeah. you can get it. Um, I remember that. It phased in with the, uh, the main Lan- TV. Lan- Lanzarote, <laughs> 75 pounds. <laughs> That's it, those are the bargains. But no, um, he's a, one knows the owner and a manager, and I believe that when we had a game, he came in and he was telling a team talk. Before Cambridge, <sighs> what did he say? Just fucking win. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, just fucking win. He didn't really have a team tour. I think he's, he's, if he was talking a team tour, it would be, become figures. He'd be talking about someone that's on this much weight, which would be Herman Horridison. And it'd be Danny Boxwood and Robert Quinn. And I brought you in. I put you on better weights from Panish. And you need to fucking put in a performance because we've got to win this league. And, and then we would just turn around and how much you won? Did he invite you around his house to see his swimming pool? Look, let me tell you a story. I got invited around and I said, no, Ron. No, Ron. God bless him. Ron knows, right? Um, this is one story. We got, we got invited to his uh, house and... Um, wow. Got to uh, Pearly Kent and um, of course he's when he I think they were filming the was it the TV programme the football programme they used to do his, his house they used to film it in so we've gone in all of a sudden swimming pool but it was, uh, he got a hamster <laughs> and all that running around sellotape. and everything and with the <laughs> sellotape I remember walking up from the uh, swimming pool I could see Kevin Dearden and Danny Boxer and Robert Quinn just looking through like a cubby hole of a door. <laughs> so they were spying on his missus. Uh, she'd gone in to change her outfit. <laughs> um, he got his dog running around in the, in the actual apartment as well. So this time we're all, walk, we're all around the pool. No one's gone in yet. A few of the lads are swimming. You've got your clothes on still? Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Apparently, uh, no, not apparently. What happened was that... Nothing apparently. No, Mark McCammon pushed the dog in the pool. Super Mark. <laughs> so the dog's gone in the pool. Can't swim. You know dogs can swim. This dog is drowning. It's drowning. But I think Herman just pulled the dog out. Right as Herman was, he's like bullish. So he just pulled the dog right out. Just threw it on the side and everyone's just cracking up. Cause it's not <laughs> then he witnessed a dead dog. <laughs> But um, no, it all kicked off there at, at the house. Everyone was just pissed up. We had a laugh, and uh, <laughs> I think uh, my good friend Lloyd he got his got his wits in with uh, Ron knows his daughter, and um, <laughs> Lloyd <Lord of> Wusu. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, I wasn't meant to say that, was I? No, no, no. I've got it all. That's a bit too much. Anyway, moving on. And there, ladies and gentlemen, the evening ends. No, sorry. <laughs> so, Ija, just quickly, I mean, <laughs> listen, that, that, 
<laughs> that was a deviation, but I want you to talk about the promotion. That season, we, we had the first promotion since we did when Terry and Marcus were in the team. And again, for the fans, I mean, for me, I love Peterborough, and Peterborough was brilliant, but I, maybe because I was like 10 years older and stuff like that, and, and, and things dictated, but that Cambridge day was possibly the best, one of the best days of my life. Again, you know, Peter, and it was just absolutely fantastic. I just want to know, just going into that period, you know, what, what were you saying? The, mem the momentum that season was great. I mean, you know, we had a great team with uh, Scotty Partridge, um, Herman, the centre-half, and the football we were playing as well was great to watch to the eye as well. Um, going to Cambridge, knowing that we're going to, you know, having to get a result and getting promoted and knowing that you're going to get a medal at the end of it. Always know that the core that side, playing in that team, everyone wanted to win. Everyone wanted... The, the, uni, the unity in that team was just great. And I think the banter and the togetherness was great. That's what helped us in that season. Um, we were always confident in getting the result. Um, we didn't really have that much individuals as in star players, except for Herman, I think, that the only one that stood out. Um, but just going into that team, knowing they got Trevor Benjamin, they had a few good players. Martin, I believe Martin Butler was one of their centre-forwards, centre star man at the time as well. Um, the last game of the season, it's, like, it's just like a blur, but when Lloydie went through scoring that winner, great feeling. And it was just, obviously, the, as you know, my shorts got pulled down and <laughs> half naked and... They, they didn't get pulled down. You pulled them down yourself. <laughs> yeah. If you got if you got something to show, show it. That's, that's, that's what they say. Um, my 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 biting memory of that day in 1999 was the fact that my son, who's now 17, who's going to be taking his driving lessons soon, was in. My wife was there on on, on that day, and she was pregnant, and he's he's a massive massive bee now, and that. That day made made me very proud, and um, on the way out there was some scenes that made me less proud. <laughs> there was Brian and Brian's wife. There was there was stuff going on, but it was it was a brilliant brilliant day, and it was no 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 come on no 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 yeah no 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 couldn't quite make the loop. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a it was a, a special day where again one, once again we had to go to a ground and win and we we rarely do it. You know, as Brentford fans, we bottled it. We didn't bottle it that day. We went and we bloody won one. We we beat Cambridge. Who were they were massively favourites, weren't they? Yeah. You know, and Lloydie Lloydie got the goal and you got your pants down and everyone was happy. That's Jason Pierce, and it? Hey, pranks again. He was a king of it. And Andy Woodman. Um, I can remember it like yesterday, to be fair. We was all just walking around, and obviously with Pearly jumping into the crowd with yourselves. Um, I think I gave away like a top in the crowd at some stage. And uh, I think I gave a little kid a pair of boots as well, one of the little young fans. And we was all walking around. and Bit by bit. Bit by bit, slowly walking around and... I felt I was the last one to get hold of the cup. I think there was a previous picture of me and Lloyd with the cup, but I think Lloyd was holding it, and I think I just had the, the top end of the cup on my head. So we come round, one of the guards wanted to take a picture, so I thought, all right, sweet. And as a youngster, as, all you, as you all know, when you're young, you always see an FA Cup final, and they're, they're walking around with a cup on their head, and I've always envisaged that myself. And um, <coughs> getting to that moment round to where we walked down to the tunnel, uh, one of the guys wanted to take a picture. I took a picture, and for some reason, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, there's someone lurking. <laughs> Someone's lurking now. It was Jason Pierce. I could see on the left, and I see Woodman. But I thought they were going to get in the picture, but nah. Shorts came down. <laughs> uh, and, and I've got to say, you know, la last Saturday we celebrated, or Saturday week ago we celebrated 4,000 league games, and between this lot, not me and Bill sitting here on this table tonight, we, we're getting on for six or 700 games. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big chunk of the games that Brentford have played ever. In the league, and in the league yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's just a, it shows you just how 
you know, just how special this collection of players are to us, really, to be honest with you. You know, through, through different areas, through the 90s, you know, 700 games is phenomenal. Uh, and and Archer's just, um, uh, yeah, we're not just bringing it on down because we're going to, we've been talking for ages now and everyone's been having a great time. And thanks very much, everybody, for sitting here and, and, and just chilling out with us. And as we said, it's a, it's a conversation piece. But just one other thing that I want to say just quickly with Arja, because I know that's something that we wanted to talk about as well, is that I know at Brentford you had a period where at the back end of it you, you felt that you were, in effect, bombed out of Brentford as well, which affected certain things and affected your mental health and uh, you went through a, a rather large period of depression as well, which happens a lot with males and happens a lot with, within football. But as again, people think because you're, you're a geezer, you don't talk about things like that. And, and I think that you just wanted to have, just talk about that and, and, and just what happened about that with, with yourself, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that time was uh, quite a tough time. It's a dark time, to be fair. I think we all have a bit of mental health problems um, within ourselves. And no one's not far from that. So I hope you guys support that whenever you can. Some charities around, if they're locally by you, get in touch and do your best in that department. But um, that time was quite tough because, you know, as Terry and Marcus, you know, you, you stay with your club. And you, for me, it's first and foremost, I've always set three targets. If I can be a YTS player and then move on from that and be a pro, and then be recognised for playing in the first team and getting in that first team, then if I've done that and they're finished and I'm a success, I don't care. But then staying with a club, one, two, three years and four years, and you're attached to that club. For me, some people, it pushes them to move on for money and next I mean, it's good having money, don't get me wrong, and having more money and being rich, yeah, fine. But when you're attached to a club that's so special in terms of making you feel welcome and giving you that chance and your fans are giving you the chance and they're looking you and they're honest fans as well you're all honest fans if you're not playing well they're going to tell you if you're not cutting it they're going to tell you but they only want you to do 100% and do well for them and if you're doing that and they accept you you grow to love the club and that's how I felt bonded with the club that's why so you're saying that basically when when you left Brentford you, leave, you didn't want to leave is that what you're saying I didn't want to leave at all the way it came about was that, um, you know, I played in the season before. We missed out on the playoffs at Stoke. And I always said to myself, well, knowing that what was going on in the background, the manager would have been uh, Wally Downs. He made it known through a few people that was around at the club. And also, I think John Griffin was around at the time. They didn't like me. He's got his reasons. I didn't give him a reason, but, he, you know... But in my mind, I'm thinking, I've got a family. I just want to stay at Brentford. I just want to stay at Brentford. That's all I wanted to do. And I, I've said it before. I've kept silent about it. As you know, Bill, I've kept silent. Not, not really many people know. I've sat there before. I don't want to leave Brentford. Even if they said to me, you know what? We're going to give you cut there to stay at Brentford. I would have done it. Because in that season, you had Paul Evans, I think four or five players left. I was still adamant that I wanted to stay. But um, Wally Downs chose and said that he, he didn't want me in, didn't want me at Brentford, and uh, he didn't think I was going to be a good influence on the players coming up and those players in the first team at the time, which many people defer with that because I was always a, a good influence on the players and the young players coming through. Because when I was coming through at Brentford, players like Graham Benstead, uh, Jamie Bates, uh, you know Bob Booker, um, you know. Brian Statham, all the older players, Lee Harvey, they were good for me. Bob Taylor, good, good for young players. So it was only right that I returned back that legacy as well to the youngsters that were coming through. But he pushed me out. I remember playing for Wig, uh, playing against Wigan on a Saturday, the Monday morning. I come in for training, thinking I'm preparing for the training every day. He's telling me that now I've got to go to Wigan Wanderers training ground. That's what I did. So I had to make my way to Wickham. Cut for it, really, because in that year, I'm thinking, well, you know, it's not what I want. I want to stay at Brentford. I had no choice. So I'm going to Wickham, knowing that the manager don't want, want to really sign me. That was Louis Sanchez. He was just doing his mate a favour. Mm. 
I was going to say, it's great that Isaac's sharing that. It's, it's, it's a personal thing as well. I think it brings us into reality as well. I think depression in football is a major thing, but I think everybody thinks that, you know, players earn what they earn and what problems do you have? I've had that within my own family. Remember when I left there, um, I think they sold me for what, 250, 250 grand. My family all thought 250 came to me. <laughs> Just out of their own sort of ignorance, they thought yeah. I got that. Um, yeah. But depression does, it, it, it can hit at any, any stage. Um, players, doesn't matter what money you earn, doesn't mean if you, you earn 200 grand a week that you're immune to emotions um, and things affect you. But my family thought, well, what do you, what problems do you have as an individual? Little do they know that I do go through struggles, like we all do, that we're still human. And I think the public, at times, they forget that, yes, we, you might hold us as like superstars or heroes or legends in some cases, but you know what, there's still a human being behind it. And I think the game, the industry is so rough and brutal in how it can pick players up, dump them at the next minute and doesn't give a shit in the end. And I think there's a lot that needs to be done within the game for before and after, or before, during and after care for players. And that's one of the works I do with Kick It Out. And, and, and on top of that, there's, um you may see up here, there's nine, there's, there, there is only nine books here. It's all, all I could drag with me tonight. There's nine books at 10 quid each only tonight. And get these three to sign them. And that all goes to whatever charity Idra Anderson says. So ten, nine, nine times 10. Get, get, get your 10 quids up here. Just, just stick them on here. Just stick them on here. You've got two. And get the three to sign them, and it all goes to whatever charity Idra Anderson says. We're coming to the end of the evening, and I'll tell you something, it's been a wicked evening, and I mean, like I said, this is the first time we've done this social, and we had no idea what's going to turn out tonight, and, uh, you know, I've got this script here, and I've talked about certain stuff, and other stuff has come out, and to be quite honest with you, I think it's been, for me, it's been absolutely really enjoyable, sitting down here with, in effect, is my heroes from when I used to be on the terraces as well, you know what I'm saying, you know, which is, which is, which is great. Um, what we're going to do is, um, if you don't mind, it's gone on a little bit longer than we thought, but that's, you know, as we say, you know, when you're, you know, when you're having, when you're having fun, you have a long time. We, <coughs> we apologise we haven't had anybody to, 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 to put questions in, but now anyone who's got any questions for the, the characters, they can come up here. If you don't mind, if you just come up here and, and take the microphone, because the lead's only so long, um, so long. So if you come up here, if you've got a question, and you can ask the guys, and then, then if you pass it back, we get them to answer. Thank you. Hello. Sorry, it's uh, Reese Williams. Some of you might know I'm, I, I now work for the club, but I just want to, I just want to say very quickly, uh, firstly, my, my, I know mostly about Marcus and Terry because you're my dad's heroes from the, that, that uh, promotion team. I wish he was here tonight. He would uh, be all over it. But Ija, when I started coming as a, as a kid in the mid nineties, uh, you were you were the you were the, the, the stable in the staple in the team. Like you, I think you were the left back who played in the first six years I went to the games. But but coming back to a few things that were, were discussed tonight, we got onto Dave Webb, and I remember very visibly we we, we we used to live in Newbury. We drove down for the fun day, I think it was in ninety seven in the summer. And, uh, and Marcus Bent had gone to Port Vale by this time. And he actually was there and he said, we said to we, we, we couldn't believe he was there because we thought he'd left under a cloud and all the rest of it. And, and, uh, and we said, Marcus, well, it's great to see you. What, what are you doing here? He said, well, you know, I love the club, brought me up. And I said, why were you so crap for us? Because, like, you know, as you said, honest fans and the rest of it. You know, you're going to Port Vale, scoring all these goals, doing brilliantly. But you, you didn't play that well first. And he said, well, firstly, Dave Webb stuck me out on the wing. I was never a winger. I was a striker. And he said, and, and you were very polite in the way you, 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 you answered the Dave Webb question. And basically, Marcus, that, you know, it was a very private conversation just us because 
and my dad asked an Irish question where he would crap for us, and he gave a very nice answer. I said, they both didn't like me, you know, and, and he had his reasons, and, and, and basically he said, you know, I wasn't his sort of player, which, you know, I think we, could, we all sort of can read between the lines as to what really meant. He, he, he said it in so many words. I think there's, I think under, I think what you find now is uh, the managers are more um, connected and there's more personal empathy with players, with managers nowadays. But I think, for me, at the time, even I always scratch my head and think, well, even though it's a manager that signed me and a person that signed me and he done well by me, I always scratch my head and think, what, what, what goes through their mind? What, what's what's you know the 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 ethos and on players and there's some things that I've seen with regards to Webby which I didn't agree with obviously the dealings with uh, Marcus Spent as a youngster I think you know most youngsters coming through nowadays if there was a manager that handled a player like that he wouldn't be in a job he wouldn't even, he wouldn't have a look in football ever so um, on that front I mean again. He had his own reasons why he felt he had to handle Marcus in that way. Marcus is very um, laid back as a person. Uh, you know, he's not. I think with his character, you can't be bullish. I think Webby was quite too, I would say, as a bully with him, and used that kind of. Uh, I'll give you a story, a real story. I remember David McGee not playing well in a game uh, at Griffin Park, <coughs> and um, half time coming. And for some reason, um, David Webb has gone into the boot room. The boot room was is in the change rooms, and uh, it's quite weird. He just I remember Kevin Locke saying, "Oh, the gaffer wants to talk to you." The lights were on in the boot room. McGee's gone in there. The lights go off. I don't know what he said to him. Like McGee's come a cat, power the sheet, and he's got to play the second half game. He had a storming second, second after, to be fair to him. <laughs> <laughs> but in that two, three minutes, he's given him a, a, a rollick, and I think to myself, I think to myself, well, if managers do that nowadays, they'll be up for like all sorts of charges. I think you know, bullying, you know, it's all this psychological stuff and you know, torment or torture and things like that. I think, you know, going back to your question, you're saying, what's it? Back in the nineties, I think a lot of the time it's all old school raging, and some of it does work with teams. Some of it does work with players. It won't work. That it doesn't work nowadays. It doesn't have no place for it nowadays. I mean, it's not something that works with me, but you know, you know, no, nah, doesn't work. Um. Questions, anybody else got a question on the floor? Jimmy, Jimmy Mack. Yeah, again, uh, one for Iger, actually. Um, I love that um, League Two winning season, it's like the first bit of glory I taste as a Brentford fan. I used to play as a team was on the left, so I used to love watching the left players, Iger Anson, Tony Foden in front of him. And that one season, Tony Foden was incredible. Like, seemed like the best player I'd ever seen ever. And then he disappeared. What was the story there? What was he like off the pitch? Why did he fall from grace? Why did he fall in the football wilderness? I think, again, um, it's when you have a talent like that, I think some people can be quite short-tempered, you know, um, or, you know, ain't got the patience for players. If players ain't doing it week in, week out, I think sometimes clubs can be spoilt with that talent of Tony Follin. Tony Follin was a player that, for me... If he's playing around now, you're looking at a good fifteen million pound player there, twenty million pound player for what he could do with a ball and 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 how we manipulated games and dominated games. Um, I mean, me when I played with Foley, it was quite frustrating. Never knew what he was going to do with the ball, um, but it was great to play with it. At the same time, knowing that when you give him the ball, you can just crack on with it and take on three or four players and take the pressure off you. <coughs> Tony Folan was um, the greatest goal that I did see and the greatest goal that I didn't see. So Peterborough, when he scored, he, he 
jinked inside one, he jinked inside another, and then he lobbed the goalkeeper from the edge of the 18-yard box. I, I, we probably lost, but I, th- okay. I was probably pissed. Um, but it was the most stunning goal. And the other stunning goal that I did miss, and uh, did sorry, I did miss, and it was live on Sky. And we walked, it's when Brentford's home end was Hate Corner, probably. So we walked a long new road from the Globe or the New Fruit or the Nelson, whichever it was at the time. And we were walking along the length of the pitch when he was lobbing the Cambridge from the halfway line. And that was a stunning, stunning goal. So Folan was capable of whatever. Um, we didn't, again, once again, we just didn't get the. It's, it's almost like a Yotta situation where. He's capable of anything, but we're not probably going to get the best out of him. Reese, you got you seem to be reaching I, uh, for the I mic. Have one other question. This is a small short one. <laughs> eight, eight minutes later. A short one for Marcus. We, you, were, you started to touch on it before. What was the difference between the level you were playing with Brentford and the level you took up with Wimbledon? What was the, what was the difference in the talent in the in in the level? Well, there was no honeymoon period when I when I first signed for him. It was, you know. I think my last game for Brentford was Port Vale away and I came I got subbed for Gus Hurdle which is not always a good thing as a <laughs> forward when you're replaced by a defender so I sat on that bench thinking you know what I'm not going to materialise my dream which was to play top flight but lo and behold there was talks going on that week and then Instead of watching Match of the Day miserable, I was on the very next week of Match of the Day play, making my debut against Leeds United, against Gary Kelly, with Gordon Strachan just in front of him. And then Gary Speed was on the far side, playing left back, uh, left wing. Um, and there was just a sheer rise in the quality. Um, I think mentally, you just had to stay switched on. That was the main thing. Um, the difference, yeah. Um, playing like League One equivalent you could go in and out of games at times switch on when you need to and produce something but I think at that top end it was like you've got to switch on for the whole 90 minutes and you dare not take your foot off the pedal and when I look back at my time in the Premier League it's like a blur because I don't remember everything um, everything's like quick you go to Man United it's a, it's a click of the finger you go to Anfield bang it's a click of the finger again it's only now I can start obviously to relax and reflect and then start hopefully to visit these stadiums again. But the quality in the individual and the consistency is, is, is crazy. And I, th- I think I touched on it earlier. The strikers make a lot of that difference in terms of if it's a half chance, it's a goal compared to it might be a chance in the championship and they might take it or they might not. But if that was a Premier League striker, that's a goal and that's guaranteed. I'm going to have to ask a question. I'm going to ask it to all you three guys again because I was, again, looking through the facts and figures and it's, I looked, right, and <laughs> the difference between your day and our day, right, Dean Holdsworth, right, the, t- the, the year that we went up, 38 goals, right? <laughs> When's the, who scores 38 goals in a season nowadays? Messi. Right, right. Right, right. 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 wait, wait, I finish it. The season that we went, we got relegated, right? We got relegated from division, well, uh, the, champion, well, the championship now down to the... Gary Blissett, 29 goals, right? It's like, you know what I'm saying? 29 goals. Like, we got Andre Go scoring, what was it, 18 goals or 19 goals? And they were, oh, yeah, he's worth about £45 billion, pounds, you know what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> why is it... And, and, I, and I kept looking at it, Lloyd Awusu, we went on... 24 goals, no, 28 goals. Um, even uh, even um, Joe Allon, that season that we did all right, I think he scored like 18 or 20 or 22 goals. Now, if any scored, anyone scored 20, 22 goals now, they'll be worth about £74 billion. Pounds. What was the difference then? Was it the fact that just the striker scored all the goals and nobody else scored any? Is that, is that how, I, I've got no idea. Yeah, I, uh, Probably systems. It was like the old four four two, like you say. P- strikers were out and out. Strikers. There was no dropping in. You know, there was sort of the goal scorers were poachers. Probably in them days. That, that, that's the way I see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think our, the team we had, 92, I think we had a good mix of goals were coming from everywhere. Well, big man himself, you probably got, what, seven, eight, sometimes nine a season, which is great from a centre-half. Today, that would be extreme. Um, hopefully, John Egan can chalk up a few more to, to get up there. But, you know, wingers, myself, I was trying to chip in with, I don't know, between five and ten. Um, I think the year I left, I had eight. I remember, yeah, um, whether he wanted to negotiate with me to stay on or whatever. He wanted to get me signed up in March. And I said, look, to be fair, I'd, just, I'd rather just complete the season. Let's sit down at the end of it because I'm on a good run at the moment. I want to break double figures for the first time as a winger, which would be great. I'd rather go with 10-plus goals instead of eight goals. But he didn't really see that the, the sense in that, and I was moved on. But I wanted to stay that season to, you know, complete the whole season. I'm not a person that just jumps midship or anything. If I start the season, I want to be there at the, at the end. But going back on to what you said, I think our team it had goals from everywhere. You know, fullbacks were chipping with the odd couple. Centre midfielders were chipping. Wingers were chipping, but predominantly the forwards would take, you know, the lion's share of the goals because they was always playing in a partnership. Now we've got 4-3-3 at Brentford. Most teams are following suit as well with with one main goal scorer. So you've got to try and create goals from different areas, which is harder. Wingers are not the same as any as they was in the previous years, where they don't just beat a man and cross the ball. Sorry, Dave. You got? Sorry, I was going to say to you, actually, um, someone that's lived and kind of evolved through football and you've got a huge amount of experience. So we, we're looking to Yotta. So Yotta was a brilliant player for Brentford. Um, shit happens, his whatever happened in his family life. But he's gone back to Avar. Um, we've loaned him back, we've extended his we've extended his contract. What what would you what would you recommend? You know, there's a chance that he could come back to us. What would you what you know? If you were his agent, what would you be saying to someone like Yotta, who 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 is who is an amazing talent? What what would you be saying to him? Come back to Brentford, stay in Spain. What would you say? I think he's got to enjoy the game first and foremost. If he's fell out of love living in London or around London, don't know where he lives, but. London's a great city to live in anyway. Everybody, you know, 20 odd years Slough, ago that I played, well, he could move a f bit further in then, innit? That might, that might cheer him up. But I think the most important thing, you've got, to be, you've got to enjoy the game. You've got to enjoy the game. No matter what's going on, every player has something going on. Trust me. You've got to kind of compartmentalise that sort of process. You've got to leave the problem behind. Focus on what you're getting paid for and just enjoy what you're getting paid for because this is a unique <coughs> industry where, you know, most players love the game and you get paid quite handsomely at times. Why not just benefit that and just focus on it? So if I was his agent, I'd say, look, if it's better to go back to Brentford and get some game time and you're happy, go do that. If it's back in Ibar, at the moment he's not playing, is he? He's not in the squad. So who knows what's going on? Again, let's just let's bring Ige in here now. So, you know, from a Brentford fans, Brentford fans' perspective, we've got a player who we think is world class or Premiership class, yeah. and who, who's who's scored goals in the last minute here, there, and everywhere. But all of a sudden, he's got a domestic situation which takes him back to Spain, where we need to get either money out of him in terms of we need to sell him or we need to get some sort of return because he's yeah. still our player. What would you recommend, Ige, that a player with that skill, that this, this potential, does? Where do you start? I mean, if he's got that talent, he's, he's rated highly, he's gone back to Spain and he's still under contract, is he? He's got kids. So, so I mean, like, f to me, I think, I'm just, I mean, to answer honestly, I think, well, if you're going back into the, you know, years, years ago, you know, you go and earn your bread and crust, you know, your bread and crust and uh, your work, you've got, every d you've got people out there that work nine to five jobs. Some lorry drivers don't even see their kids. 
we'll see. So, um, I don't know what any domestic or personal issues are going on there with the kids. I don't know what the situation is there. So but we're, we're I don't think it's fair that you're paying the guy a wage. No, but we're bringing it back to it's better to play, surely. It's better to play at the best possible level you can than, than not play. I think he's, he, he should, he, that's, that's what he should be doing, playing. He owes that to, you know, the fans and also, he's, you know, it's, that's your commitment, that's your contract. I just think that the game's gone. I think for when, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm not talking about him, his personal issues, I don't know, I can't judge that. What I'm saying with regards to players, I think there's a lot of power where the agents are too involved. Uh, there's a lot of money being sucked. I think a lot of the fans are being shortchanged in that way. Uh, I think with the guys there, <laughs> if, it was, if, we, if we had that wage being paid to us, we'd still be the same players. I don't think it changes that, you know, chemistry. You, you, you're still going to go across that line and give 150%. I think some players can just toss it off too easy, mate. Okay, listen, it, we've gone on a lot longer than we thought tonight and, and, and it's a good thing because everyone's obviously enjoyed themselves. And I, I, unless there's any pressing questions, is there any other pressing questions? Anyone else got a question? Hands up. We don't want to exclude anybody. <coughs> The banana's got a question. We've got the banana man in the house. Yeah. They say never meet your heroes. I never realised he was a QPR supporter, but hey. Um, but <laughs> um, he's, he's my fucking hero, the number one, I'm telling you. Number one and a half. Number one and three quarters. <laughs> anyway, um, we're playing Fulham on Friday. Fulhamization. Fulhamification. Unfortunately, one of our players got injured at um, QPR on <coughs> last weekend. So there's a space on the bench. Um, which one of you really wants to play the last five minutes? I get a goal in the last minute. Last minute. Last five minutes. Would you play the last five minutes of Fulham? What would you do? How much would you want? How much do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> just get, let me play. <laughs> uh, I would. It's the prestige, isn't it? It's not about money. Um, it always helps, but for me, playing the game is it's an honour. As I said earlier, there's not many people that can go out there and play the game at a high frequency and, and do what we can do at times. Um, so I, I would love to play. I might even bring my boots Friday just for the joke. Yeah, I think we'd all uh, want to roll the clock back, lads, and uh, get out there and play, and uh, especially stick it in the full of me. Tell you something, you tell their professionals, playing to the crowd, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all good. Listen, um, <laughs> so listen, we have to draw the TVs and close. This is the Besotted Pride of West London. This is our first ever social. All I want to say is I want to, first of all, thank um, Terry Evans, Marcus Gow, and Ida Anderson. And an absolutely... Uh, tremendous night today. Thank you very much. Very informative, and it's really good. Also, I want to thank everybody else here for turning up here tonight, because at the end of the day, without all you guys... Uh, and just to want to let you know, and it's not like hype, but we've actually got our second social. It's in the 16th, as you probably know, the 16th of December. It's in a venue in Chiswick. It's a, it's a wicked venue. It's a proper, proper, proper. Yeah, and none, of, none of you lot have ever been there. It's proper secret squirrel jobby, and it's really great, and it's going to be good. We've already got players lined up for that one as well. So, love to see you all there. We need to sort out... If you want to come down to a besotted social, 
it's an evening of entertainment. We get music, we get DJs, we get live performers, we might get comedians down there. Uh, we get Brentford legends, and basically Brentford fans come down and have a beer. Sign up, just go to the Besotted homepage, and you'll see a little form on there, and you can sign straight up for the social, and we'll give you the information. Next social is December the 16th, so get your name down for that one, and also put in your diary the 30th of April, bank holiday weekend. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.